Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Anyone want to have a guess who we're talking about today? Aladdin. Okay, good. Aladdin. Aladdin. Not sure what Bible's that one in, but uh, anyone want to have a guess? Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream coat. Who grew up in the 80s? Yeah. Who was in that musical? Yeah, yeah, I was in it twice. My church youth group used to do musicals every year. Every year. Do these musicals. They'd take up all our time and you'd practice and none of us could sing. <laughs> and then the high school decided, hey, let's do these musicals because it was a money spinner. I'm thinking, really? Have you heard me sing? You're going to make money out of that? And I got to do the second part. The first part, I played the part of Potiphar. No singing. All I had to do was yell at Joseph for trying to make out with my wife. It was easy. Second time, I was Jacob, the dad, in grade 12, with long hair. And then, during Pharaoh's scene, I was a part of the rock and roll dancing crew. Because Pharaoh was... Elvis type thing. Sorry, I can't hear you, Ange. You have to speak up clearly. Are you going to show us the Sorry, sorry. What was that, Vic? Are you getting my attention? They're being noisy over here, Vic. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the answer is a solid no. For those who have issues with me with the ability of saying no, there is a solid no. All right. I can do it. There you go. I can do it. Yeah. Yeah, let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for the opportunity of coming together and learning about Joseph. I want to thank you for your word that is so real and so amazing. I pray, Lord God, today, today, that we will take another step to say, yes, your word is amazing, and I want to have it involved in and through my life. And when the going gets tough, that I'll turn to you. I won't say, that's too bad, I'm out of here, but we'll trust in you the God who is amazing, incredible, and who is grace, as we've been singing about, is just the best thing. We pray this in your precious son's name and God's people said, amen. If you have your Bibles, your iPhones, your tablets, your laptops, if you could turn to Genesis chapter 37, Genesis chapter 37. While you're turning to that, has anyone figured out why we've got Jenga kits all over the place? Um, so has anyone figured out what a Jenga game is now? Pamela, do you understand? No, still lost? Still lost? No one? Okay. Yes, do you understand what Jenga is? Yep, okay. Well, I'll show you as I preach what a Jenga game is all about. Um, but because I, I am where I'm at at this moment in my life, I'm going to play with all my friends, just me. Just me. All by myself. So I'll play by my rules. And hopefully I'll win. All right, Genesis chapter 37, verse 1 says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilah and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report. In Australia, we call him a dobber. 
Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all the other sons. That's not going to go bad, is it? Because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made him an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Hmm, poor Joseph. Interesting way to start, isn't it? Father loves him, brothers not so keen. We're going to learn a bit about Joseph as we go. So when you do a Jenga kit, you play three, you put it down. And so we're going to build this Jenga tower um, as we talk about Joseph's life. And then we're going to pull the tower down where we talk about Joseph's life. So obviously these bits are going to be about the good bits. So Joseph had a mum and a dad. Now that's a good thing, isn't it? Of course it is. Having a mum and dad is a great thing. He also had brothers and sisters. And until he was 17 years old, that was a good thing. So we'll, we'll just keep adding things to that. They obviously had some good times. He was um, good at bringing reports to his dad. So that was a good thing. He was, um, at the age of 17, as you read on in the Bible, he was a dreamer. Not a dreamer as a daydreamer, but he had dreams. Anyone have dreams? Yeah? Anyone remember your dreams? Yeah, sometimes. All right. Any write your dreams out and say, what the heck's that about? Is that God speaking to me? Yeah? Okay, because it is a way. It is a way in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament that God gave men and women dreams. So Joseph was a dreamer. Now, the thing with some dreams, um, I, I unfortunately tell Cynthia a lot of my dreams. And <clears throat> sometimes my dreams are pretty bizarre. Hey, honey. Yep. <laughs> This, this week I had a dream where Cynthia had died. It's pretty bad, hey? The really bad bit is I married a daughter of a drug dealer <laughs> in the dream. See what I mean? Weird dreams. Now, I didn't write that one down to say, okay, God, what are you saying to me? But, but Joseph, he, he knew his dreams. And, and he would grab his dreams and he would tell his family. The first dream, can you remember that one? That one was about these sheaves of wheat bowing down to him. And, and he tells them, by the way, that's all you. You, my brothers, are going to bow to me. Could you imagine that? The little runt of the litter, we're going to bow down to him? Are you kidding me? The one that reports on us, the one that has the fancy jacket, give me a break. But then Joseph has another dream. And this one's about moon and stars and planets and everything. And in that dream, he tells mum and dad, as well as the brothers. And his dad even says to him, what, are your mother and I are going to bow down to you? And he goes, yes. Right. So a little bit of shine rubbing off, isn't there? So he's telling these dreams. Now, the other good thing is that Joseph's name, does anyone remember what Joseph's name is? We made a big thing last week of Jacob's name. So it's only fair, if we're going to make a big thing of Jacob's name, we should do something about Joseph's name, shouldn't we? Let's be fair. Let's treat all these men from the Bible and women fair. So Joseph's name, anyone know what it means? Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? We, we know Jacob, the supplanter, the manipulator, the liar, the thief. But Joseph, what's Joseph? What's Joseph's name? Well, Joseph is a very, uh, a very positive name. Um, it is Jehovah will supply. Isn't that pretty cool for Joseph? Now we know Joseph's story, and you know his name means God will supply. 
you can see that God did supply. But the one amazing thing when we talk about God supplying is that God does things in his time, doesn't he? Can I hear an amen to that, that you've seen God do that in his own time? In Christian circles, we talk about at one minute to midnight, <laughs> that's where God shines through, you know? So we should just sit around and, and do nothing until we get to one minute to midnight and then we'll see God turn up. It seems to be the way God does a lot of things. Now, God is not in a hurry. If you don't believe me, Abraham and Sarah were told well in advance that they were going to have kids. Well in advance. And they had to wait. Um, also, with Isaac and Jacob, they both had to wait. Jacob had to wait 20 years when he was with Laban. He had to work 14 years for his two wives. So Joseph, what Joseph have to wait? Well, Joseph wasn't working on a farm. Joseph wasn't waiting for a child to be born. Joseph spent 17 years in slavery and prison. Is he waiting on God? Is God going to supply? Is God going to come through for Joseph? All right. So Joseph has a good life, as you can see by that beautiful tower. But he also has a tough life. One day, he goes to check on his brothers. Now, if you're an intercessor, you might want to join me in prayer to see if this works, because I don't want the tower to fall down. If the tower fall down, that means my sermon's going to lose a lot of punch. So Joseph, on his way to visiting his brothers, gets there, and they've moved. And so he finds out where they've gone, and he checks out where they are, and he ends up finding them. As he turns up to them and, and starts to go, G'day, how are you guys doing? They'd already made a plan to kill him. That's pretty severe, isn't it? Now, now there's times in our families that, you know, you, you get upset with your brother and sister. There's times when that happens. Um, I, I come from two younger brothers. We've had lots of fights and all those sort of things in the days. I've got two older brothers and an older sister. And there were times where they didn't get on. Um, my oldest brother, Jack, um, who, who may be watching online, um, he, um, he, when he retired from working on the trains, um, had a stroke. And, and we almost lost him. He almost died. And, and the one thing that happened during his stroke is that his ability to turn the, the lying switch on just disappeared. So if he looked at you... And, and, and he thought you needed a haircut, he just told you, you need a haircut. Or if you'd put on some weight and you went to visit him in hospital while I was lying in bed, you'd go, boy, you're fat. So he and his other brother, Merv, my other brother, Merv, they, they clashed a bit. This is getting harder. They, they clashed a bit and, and all those years, Jack being the older brother, never did anything. And Merv's the type of brother who doesn't do weddings, doesn't do funerals, doesn't visit you in hospital. When Jack almost died, Merv did the unthinkable and went and visited Jack in hospital. As he's visiting Jack, Jack's sitting there and looking at him, and he remembers the numerous times that behind Merv's back, he has said, someone should punch him in the face. He remembers it. And so while Merv's talking to him, Jack goes, oh, whack. And Merv goes, what the heck? Here's another reason why I don't visit my brother in, in hospital. So 
these guys didn't just want to punch him in the face. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. Thankfully, um, there was a plan and uh, they're throwing him in a pit first while they worked out the plan. And the plan was that one of the brothers was going to let them, him escape. But uh, while the plan was being carried out and they were figuring out how to kill him, along came a band of Ishmaelites. Now, the musical Joseph called them hairy Ishmaelites. Um, Yeah, hairy Ishmaelites. That was in the the singing. Now, I'm not sure if they were hairy Ishmaelites, but they were certainly Ishmaelites. And Ishmaelites... Well, it's moving. Ishmaelites meant one thing, doesn't it? They belonged to the family of Ishmael. So here's Joseph being sold into Abraham's other son's family. There's an interesting point there, isn't there? Contemplate that, if you may. We don't have time, but we'll keep moving on. So Joseph is sold into slavery, and guess where they take him? How many people did those Sunday nights with Nat? They take him to Egypt. And when Egypt is ever in the story, Egypt is significant. Egypt is part of God's plan, doing something. He's up to something. So as soon as you hear Egypt, think, aha, God's up to something. So Joseph is sold into slavery. And um, (laughs) intercessors, can you keep praying? All right, here we go. So he gets into Egypt and a guy called Potiphar, who is the captain of the guards, a very well-to-do guy, buys Joseph. Now, if you know all your words in, in Egyptian, Potiphar is prince of the sun. How cool a name is that? Very princely, very nice. Um, so he takes on Joseph. Now, Joseph starts this amazing journey And in this amazing journey, yeah, it's going to move, he gets favour, incredible favour. And he rises to being number two in Potiphar's house. Number two. Amazing. Everything he does, everything he takes place, Potiphar lets him do. And then Potiphar goes away and Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him, tries to seduce Joseph, tries to lead him down the garden path. And Joseph says no. And again he says no. And again he says no. And again he says no. Until it's at the point where Potiphar's wife, she decides she's had enough. She's going to steal his jacket and tell her husband that this Hebrew who you brought into us, if you read the Bible, the story says us, not just her, So she wasn't saying, this isn't just about me. This is about our whole household. This unclean person, and if you know the Egyptians, if you were a foreigner, you were unclean. So a little bit later, Joseph doesn't eat with his brothers and sisters. uh, Brothers, sorry. That's because they were unclean. They probably were. They were shepherds. So they probably were unclean. But so here is this situation where you brought this man into our home. And look what he's tried to do. Potiphar is in a rage. In a rage. Now, I don't know whether Potiphar had the power to kill or whatever, but he certainly had the power to have Joseph thrown in jail. And Joseph's thrown in jail. And while in jail, we're not sure what sort of jail it is. There's some of the beautiful TV shows or cartoons about Joseph have different picturing jails or prisons. 
for me, because I've watched a lot of the, the, you know, the Middle Ages, I'm thinking of a, a dungeon type thing. Whereas one of the old ones, which I think um, Batman, one of them, talks about is a great big hole in the ground with an opening to the sky. And they think you know, that Joseph was in one of those prisons and it had little doors and everything off it that that's where he stayed. We're not sure, but he was in prison and it wasn't a fun place. And yet the head of the prison finds favour with Joseph. All of a sudden, Joseph is in charge of divvying out all the food and looking after all the other prisoners. That's not a bad job because part of prison is not getting good food. And here's Joseph in charge of all this work. So there's some good stuff happening to Joseph, even in the bad times. Even in the bad times. And lo and behold, one of the good gifts that Joseph has starts to happen when he's in prison. Two men who served Pharaoh, and in Egypt, Pharaoh was like a god, if not a god. All right? They served him, and they did something wrong, and they were both sent to prison. They too had dreams. Here's that dream cycle coming again. They had these dreams and it worried them so. And somehow they found out that Joseph knows how to do dreams. So they go up to him and say, hey, we had a dream. And the first guy tells him the dream. I won't go into all the details of the dream. You can read about that. But in the dream, Joseph says, oh, in three days' time, you're going to be put back into your old job and you will serve Pharaoh as you did before. And then Joseph jabs him. Now, by the way, mate, I'm in prison. I'm in prison. You've got the ear of Pharaoh. When you get back up there, can you put a good word in for me? Can you, can you get me out of here? It wasn't my fault. As most of people in prison say, I'm innocent. <laughs> and in Joseph's case, he actually was. Then the second guy comes up. You could just imagine he's all buoyed. Wow, that prayer was, that, that answer to that dream was awesome. Here's mine, mate. Here's mine. Tell me mine. And he tells him it, and then Joseph goes, and if you read it, it's, it's quite interesting. Joseph's focus is on guy number one. Guy number two tells it, and you can just, Joseph goes, in three days' time, you're going to lose your head. You're going to be hung. You're dead. Turns back to the other guy. Remember me? When you get back up there, <laughs> this poor guy's going, oh, good news, mate. Good news. Fantastic. What sort of dream person are you? Guess what happens? Guy number one. Repromoted. Guy number two, game over. Joseph was 100% correct. And two days later, the guy up top remembers, tells Pharaoh all about it, and Joseph is sprung from prison. No, no. The guy up top, he forgets all about Joseph. The guy that got him out, the guy that gave him the good word, forgotten. But did God forget Joseph? Not a chance. A little bit later, we're not sure how long, the big man, Pharaoh, he has a dream. Two dreams. And it rocks him in his sleep. And he gets everybody, the astrologers, all the wise men, everyone to come and tell him the dream and what it means. No one knows. No one can help. They come to nothing. Then guy number one says, hold on a sec. I remember this guy who foretold my dream that I had and he got it right. And Pharaoh goes, where's he? Uh, He's in prison. And what does Pharaoh do? Go get him. But before you bring him into my presence, give him a bath, 
a haircut and a shave and put on some good clothes. You read it, it does. So Pharaoh gets to see Joseph and Joseph is looking like he's never looked before. Some of the commentary writers said that they may have even shaved his head because of the Egyptian culture of being bald, being cool. How's that? (laughs) Bald, being cool. Yeah. So here we are, Joseph is before Pharaoh and we know what happens, don't we? We know Pharaoh tells the dream and Joseph says it, here's the answer and there it is. And then Joseph goes, now what you need to do is put someone in power to make all this happen. And Pharaoh goes, you're that man. How's that? He's just come out of prison. He's just had a bath and a shower probably for the first time in a long time. He's had his beard all cut off and he's nice. And he he just does what God calls him to do, answer the dream. And all of a sudden Pharaoh goes, okay, you're in charge. Make this happen. And he goes on for the first seven years. They collect all the good food and they bring it all in and they bake and they make all big, great big silos to store it all. And then the drought hits. And the drought is the worst drought ever. And it affects everywhere. And affects his brothers and his family. And they come knocking. But I'm going to leave the story there because I want us to grab hold of a few things about Joseph seeing God's provision, seeing God's call. How many of us walking through life, whether it be an easy walk or a tough walk or a really hard walk, need to know that God is with us, that he holds our hand and he he, he just supports us all the way. Just like Joseph's name, God will provide or God shall provide. God will come through. We need to grab hold of that. Now I'm going to get a few people to stand up where they are and, and if you look at this, it, it's, the life's a bit of a mess, isn't it? When, when we first started, it was solid. Now it's wonky. Anyone feel wonky? I feel wonky. I feel wonky at times. You know? This is wonky. How does it get stable again? Some of you, when I was pulling bits out, you want to see me pull one more bit out? You think I could do one more? Look, there's one. Easy. All right. So, so it's wonky. It falls apart. Your life falls apart. My life falls apart. This week I had something happen to me. Some of you may get this. Some of you have seen me on Facebook. Um, this week um, on October the 6th was the fourth year since my mum passed away. Four years. And it hit me. I don't know why it hit me this time. It didn't hit me the first time, the second time or the third time. But the fourth year it hit me. I, I was wonky. I was vulnerable. And that day... In the mental health ward, some of the stories that I shared with people was just through the roof. And I literally said to God, I need to go and reflect with you because this is too much. The stories I've just heard, I'm wonky, I can't bear it, I can't cope. But the first time that day I could do that was at 4.30 that afternoon. My day was full. But at 4.30, I texted Cynthia and said, I'm going to be late home. I need to go sit and be still. And I did. I went to one of my favourite spots and just sat and be still and reflected on some of my favourite Bible verses, of which you'll hear some of today. Now, whether October 6th was part of the wonkiness was for this message, I don't know. God tends to do things. So, first one, 
Who has got Matthew chapter 11, verse 28? Can you stand up, please? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Thank you. Very good. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Or as uh, the message says, come to me, all who are burnt out on life. Anyone burnt out on life? The hassles and structures? Well, God says, come to me. And if you go into the rest of that verse, which is only one verse of a brilliant part of God's word, it's so good that God wants to help us carry the burdens of our lives. Next one is Hebrew chapter 13, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. He's got the one. Thank you. Nice loud voice, Annie. Yeah, how good's that? Anyone ever have stresses over money? <laughs> My younger brother's just bought a $900,000 house and found out he needed a whole bunch of other stuff done to it. Just keeps going and going. Money can be a stressor, can't it? But God says to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Come to me. It's a good one, isn't it? Oops, that doesn't go that way. And it comes in and it can help shore up the wonkiness of our life. All right, next one is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Joshua, thank you. There you go. How many one have that one as a favourite verse? A few times we've gone to Malawi, people go, yep, that's one of my heart verses. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Strong and courageous. We see that more and more these days, don't we? As Christians, to be strong and courageous. But to know that God is with us. He has not, hasn't he said he will be with us? So whenever you're feeling wonky, know that God is with you. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Who's got that one? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Pro, sorry. Proverbs. Proverbs. That's it. Thank you. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Thank you. Anyone know that one? Yeah. Dion DiMucci had a song called Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And it was fantastic. When I was a mime, I used to do a mime to the song uh, when I go around and do things. Yes, I was a mime. I was able to be quiet at some stage in my life. Yes. Um, so the next one, Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 to 34. Thank you, Ange. That's one of my favourites. When I moved to Tasmania to live by faith and work in a Christian radio station, that's one of the passages God gave me to live by. So I'm going now to live by faith. In other words, they weren't going to pay me. How am I going to survive? How am I going to do this? God, what is your plan? And God came through and showed me his plan. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's the plan. God first. All right, next one. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Our faith, 
our faith. We need to press into our faith, don't we? There's that beautiful scriptures about faith all the way through. Uh, there's part of the armour of God is the shield of faith. And we need to make sure we've got the shield of faith and not leave it behind. Sometimes when we're walking through life, we feel, no, nah, nah, I can drop the sword, I can drop the shield, I'll take the helmet off, but then we're open up for lots of attacks. All right? So you need to make sure you go through life with everything that we need. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Thank you. How good's that one? All those anxiousness, those stresses, all that, cast them on who? On Jesus. He will help you through them. He will take it with you. You could almost know that if Joseph had have had a New Testament at his disposal, he probably could have quoted some of these. But I'm sure he had something else. He had this incredible relationship with God, knowing by his name, Yahweh will provide or shall provide that no matter where he was, a slave or a prisoner, God would be in there. God would be in there. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Yeah, God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and the verse I knew was sound mind. Sound mind, understanding, no fear, but the love of God in and through all things. And our last verse is Psalm 23, verses 1 to 4. How good a psalm is that? I mean, we know it, but do we live it? It's so full of good things. Even just hearing Rosie say it then, and, and I've read through it numerous times in my sermon prep this week. How good is it? How good is it to walk this life knowing that God is our shepherd, that he walks with us, his rod and his staff, yes, his discipline are with us as well. So we're back. We're back. Our wobbly life is all put back together. How many times do we need God's word as we go through life? How many times do we need to make sure we go to the scriptures as we're making decisions, as we're walking through what God has for us, when we're grieving, when we're at loss for what's going on in the world? I've given up watching the news because it just causes me too much anxiety. <laughs> so I write it, read it online. That's not very helpful either. We need to take everything to prayer. Joseph got reunited with his brothers. It's a beautiful story. If you don't know it, read it. With his dad. Now Joseph, in the scheme of things, ended up with a double blessing. Not just the blessing, but a double blessing because of who he was. Because he waited in the time that God had for him, those 17 years, to be, as it were, a saviour for his family in being at the right place at the right time, saying the right things in the right way before Pharaoh. Who knows your walk or my walk, where we will be taken. It may not be before a Pharaoh, but it may be before another brother or sister who needs to hear something 
from God or just needs a handshake or a hug or a I'll pray for you. One of the amazing things I get out of doing the chaplaincy in the, in the hospital is the opportunity to pray with people I don't know. And as I've shared before, so far, no one has said no to prayer. And in fact, one guy on Thursday morning, when I said, do you mind if I pray for you? He said, you may pray for me as long as you pray for the doctors and nurses in this place as well. They need all the help they can get and they do such a good job. And I said, we can pray right now for them. And he's looking at me going, go home and pray. But we had a time of prayer. Let me pray. Father God, I confess my life is wonky at times. So many things that come along, just take it out of me. Like a game of Jenga where the blocks get pulled out and it goes crazy. And even though part of my actions are what causes those blocks to get pulled out, I look back at it and I go, how did I get here? What's going on? I thank you, Lord God, that your promises are incredible. And I ask, Lord God, that you would help me to remember your promises. We have so much at our disposal. I pray that we will make use of it. In Jesus' mighty name and God's people said, Amen. As a young guy got saved when I was 14 years old in 1978, an older pastor, a guy called Tom Scarlett, used to say all the time, the word of God has 30,000 promises. 30,000. I don't know who did that. I don't know what person sat down and went, all right, word of God, how many promises are there? One, two, three, four, five, six. I'm in Deuteronomy 7, 8. You know, how did they get 30,000? I don't know. But I'll tell you what, we've just listed off 12 incredible scriptures that if we grabbed half of those scriptures, our life would be something else, wouldn't it? God bless you. Think of Joseph. God shall supply. And he did. God shall supply for you as well. Keep our eyes and our faith on Jesus, the author of our faith. God bless. Hand back to you, Dan.